DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by BJ Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune and Blue Turf Sports. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. BJ, good morning. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. Well, the Mountain West schedule is out, so we know that the Broncos are opening with Utah State. They've beaten four in a row and 16 out of 17, kind of own the Aggies. And then in the third week, they're going to play the Cougars in what has turned into a pretty good series of games here. A lot of one possession, actually several one-point games. And so I guess with uh, two of the first three against teams right here in our backyard, the first question is, is Boise State, uh, last year was the best year they probably had in six or seven, a 12 and two for the first time since 2014, are they going to sustain that level? Or are they going to be really, really good again? It's tough to say. I mean, I'll take the cop-out answer, but we haven't had a chance to see any practice. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's been a little tough from that standpoint. They've really got one key issue, and that could will probably decide the course of their season, and that's, you know, both sides of the line. Uh, it's, you know, cliche to say it all starts up front and all that kind of stuff, but really for Boise State – they lost four of their five offensive line starters, and they lost all four of their defensive line starters. They've got pretty much everybody else back. They've got the quarterback, running back, receivers for the most part, tight end. Um, but they got to replace four offensive line starters, including both guys on the left side of the line that are in the NFL right now. And then uh, two guys in the defensive line went to the NFL as well. So you're talking four NFL-caliber players on the offensive and defensive lines that they have to replace. If they can – figure that out and you know they claim they have a lot of young guys that are that are ready and been waiting for their chance and you know you have to trust their recruiting and their pedigree and their history that they've got guys that are ready to step in and if that's the case um then yeah they should be pretty good again but uh if they struggle on the line if bachmeyer the quarterback takes some of the hits he took last year and gets injured again and they have to move down the depth chart there then then you know all kinds of problems could start but uh they're 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 pretty confident they're gonna have a pretty good season they were the runaway favorite before all this hit to win the mountain west in the media poll, and um, yeah, I, I, you know, eight games. I don't see why seven and one or eight and zero oh shouldn't be the goal for them. As we look at Boise, I mean, it's just obvious that they seem to be, uh, at least if not loaded, experienced at the other positions. But the the two lines, and it does make me a little bit nervous because if I'm looking for places where I want to have experience, like BYU, it's going to be quarterback and offensive line, and that might be the places where I choose that the most. Uh, you've around this program, uh, how much do you take them at their face value that they've got guys who can come in from an offensive line perspective and also, too, not just come in and play, but play together? How much experience do they have playing together? Well, probably a lot on the second and third string last year, too, from some of these guys, But uh, so maybe that helps. But they brought in a grad transfer from Rice. Uh, he's going to probably start at the other tackle position. Uh, the one guy they bring back was right tackle, and they're moving him over to left tackle. Um, and then they've got some guys that had a couple starts last year when other guys were injured. So it's not like these guys have never played. But I agree with you. I mean, offensive line is a huge question mark for this team, and they seem to have this cycle where they have – this has happened three or four times, you know, in the seven or eight years that I've been here where they'll have, you know, uh, three or four seniors all graduate at once, or three or four guys leave at once, and then they have you know a big group of sophomores, and they come in and get better and better, and then they're all seniors, and then they all leave. And so they have this kind of song and dance every couple of years. They, they never really lose one guy. It seems like they lose three or four when they do. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, Brad Bedell, the offensive line coach, 
dealt with this when he first got here a couple of years ago and that group took over. Same kind of thing happening now with these guys leaving and you have you know it's not just losing four starters, it was four, you know, three-year starters and two guys like I said, you know, a second round pick and another guy that's on the practice squad with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I mean, you're talking about um, you know, two NFL guys on the, at left tackle and left guard that you have to replace. And that was one of the issues with Hank Bachmeyer, the quarterback last year, was he took too many hits and got injured, two different injuries. So, um, you know, I'll say this, though. The offensive line actually, for as good as it's been, or is, uh, you know, senior laden, I guess you could say, as it was last year, really didn't play that great for a good chunk of the season. And they maybe had too high of expectations to live up to. So I think this year going in, the expectations are going to be a lot lower for that group, which may make it easier for them if there's not enough pressure or anything to, to, to for you know, that they were, no one's really expecting them to be great up front to start the year. So maybe that helps them. I don't know. But, um, you know, I think defensive line is going to be key too. They've had, you know, Curtis Weaver was a Mountain West all-time sacks leader. He was a fifth-round pick. Uh, they had a nose tackle that uh, is on the practice squad with the Atlanta Falcons. Two other guys, you know, that, that had a lot of tackles for loss and seniors that are gone too. So, I mean, they, they have, you know, they have a Utah transfer, Jackson Cravens. That's one of the guys they're expecting to step in, actually, as a starter on the defensive line. But they, um, you know, they got some holes there to fix too. So that's kind of why I open this segment by saying that's going to be the the key for this team. If they if the guys they have are are as good as ready as they claim, then they'll be fine. But if they struggle on the offensive line, and you know they have a thousand yard rusher eleven years in a row, it's the longest streak in the nation. Uh, if they can keep that going this year and block and get get that back, they're going to be fine. But if not, you know they're going to have some problems. So Boise State goes twelve and two last year. They lost the bowl game. The only regular season loss was to BYU. Bachmeyer couldn't play in that game. Odd that both BYU and Boise State had to play three different quarterbacks and won games with each of the three quarterbacks that they started last year. Uh, how does the quarterback position stack up this year? Is Bachmeyer going to be the guy, and is he going to make staying healthy a priority? Yeah, and that's a huge key. You know, they did bring in. It was kind of an odd move all around, and we're still not sure why it happened. But they, Jack Sears, who was a former uh-huh. like five star recruit from uh, USC, uh, they brought him in as a grad transfer, and he's got two years of eligibility left. I guess three if you count the fact that this year doesn't count now. Um, so. I don't know why, you know, I, we still haven't been able to find out from Jack Sears really what his reasoning was. Um, he was third or fourth string on the USC depth chart, um, decided to grad transfer out, and, and uh, he came to Boise. Hank Bachmeyer's a starter. I don't think there's any question about that, but whether it's Chase Cord or Sears, they like, you know, making packages and getting other guys involved for plays here and there. So I would suspect you'll see multiple quarterbacks get in, get in most games for them. But Hank Bachmeyer's a starter. He's the guy in his first game last year – as a true freshman, went on the road and, you know, led a 19-point comeback at Florida State. Um, you know, the guy's a, a heck of a player, but like I said, he's just he's almost, uh, you know, too comfortable in the pocket and too willing to run and too willing to hang on to the ball where he just gets rocked sometimes. So there's a couple of pictures in that Florida State game where they hit him so hard his you know, helmet came off. I mean, it was, it was scary at times, and it, sure enough, it led to a, an injury when he was running. I hurt his hip uh, against Hawaii and then had a shoulder injury as well, and you know, for whatever reason, I don't know if they were worried he was going to transfer. Or I, I still haven't been able to get an answer, but he didn't play for like the last six weeks of the season. His mom was tweeting that she, you know, why can't all the quarterbacks play at one point in the championship game? And she was unhappy he wasn't playing. Um, and he went from not playing for like six weeks. Their third stringer comes in and is like four and zero and is playing great. And all of a sudden they get to the bowl game and out of nowhere, Bachmeyer comes back and makes a surprise start, his first appearance in like seven weeks, and he's really rusty and they lose pretty badly. A lot of people thought they should have stuck with the uh, other quarterback that had been winning for them the last four games of the season. They went back with Bachmeyer, 
still not exactly sure why, considering he hadn't played in a long time. I, if he was healthy, I guess they thought he was a starter for a reason. But, um, you know, so that was a weird ending to his season, not playing well in the bowl game after playing pretty much, um, you know, he's pretty much unbeatable. The rest of the games he started, they won every game. So, um, yeah, I, I, you mentioned that BYU game, 28-25, their only regular season loss by three points. And if you guys remember, it was raining, it was cold, it was windy, it was just a, a dreadful night. It was horrible, the weather and they lose by three points, and they may win that game if they don't get the fourth down there with like two minutes left or whatever. It was just an amazing game, but that was it for the whole season. You know, Boise State was that that game and a play or two here and there in that game from being you know right there in the mix, if not the leader for the Group of Five spot in the uh, uh, you know in the in the Fiesta Bowl or whatever game it was last year, and that that was the game that really kept them out. I mean, if they if they don't lose that game to BYU, they're Probably the, the the team with with the way it all worked out. I mean, they would have been ahead, they were already ahead of Memphis and may have stayed ahead of them in the rankings. So um, that game still stings to a lot of Boise State fans. And obviously losing to their old coach Chris Peterson, Washington, the bowl game stings too. But uh, long answer to your question. But I think Bachmeyer is the starter. He's the guy, assuming he's healthy, and if he can improve off what he did last year and with his footwork and some things, he could be you know pretty special for him in the next couple of years. So BYU really wanted to play this game, that's scheduled that first weekend in November, and they're very excited to get it because they need a little jolt to their schedule and, you know, they've got big plans, see if it works out. What is the Boise State perspective as far as the excitement level on this game? Oh, they like it. I mean, I think they're disappointed there's not going to be any fans. I mean, I don't know if you guys have paid attention to the whole Louisville-Kentucky rivalry in basketball where they wanted to yeah. switch it to a neutral site game this year because there's no fans and Calipari – you know, uh, you know, Louisville didn't think that was fair. Where the one year they don't have fans, it's their home game, and so yeah. But I think Boise State fans are a little, you know, I've seen that on Twitter some where it's like, okay, the one year where there's no fans, we're giving up our home game for it, where it really doesn't mean anything, and then you know there'll be a packed house again next year back in Provo. So it is what it is. It's the way the schedule worked out. Um, the Mountain West was kind of in a bind. Uh, Air Force was uh, already had the Army scheduled that week. There's 12 teams in the Mountain West, so if Air Force isn't playing. There's only 11, so one team either had to not play or find another game to play that week. And so it just made the most sense. It happened to be the same weekend the game was originally scheduled. There's no uh, game yet on the schedule for, for BYU. And if you guys remember, that game was actually a Friday night game on the original schedule the night before November 6th. Fox Sports 1, I believe, was going to nationally televise it. And there still is the potential, and I would say it's probably likely if I had to guess, that game gets bumped up to Friday. Uh, because um, it, it said in the Mountain West release that a lot of the games could still move from Thursday to Friday and that that would be coming out in the next week or so. Um, and, and since that game was previously scheduled for a Friday, I'm not sure what changed, but I would assume there's still a good likelihood that Fox Sports 1 gets a nationally televised Friday game and they still play that on Friday. But, no, they're excited about it. It's a big game up here. And as you guys mentioned, the one-point game, the one-possession games, there was a, a game, you know, the, the whole – you know, one of my first years on the beat was the whole manga miracle game where you had the heave, you know, with 40 seconds left, and then, uh, and, and then you know, you had the, there was a blocked kick in one of the games in Boise, or it was a one-point game. You go all the way back to 2012, the seven to six game with the defensive touchdown. I mean, it's every game you kind of throw out the records, and it's a great game. And, and uh, certainly with the way BYU is playing, I thought it was ridiculous if they won by was it 40 points, and then they get dropped four spots in the rankings. Uh, because they're, they're adding in all the other teams now. I thought that was ridiculous for, for BYU to, for that to happen. But they're obviously a top 25 team right now and playing well. That'll be a quality win for, for either team if they're able to get it. So I think it's a good game for both sides. So you mentioned the game might be on Fox. People are used to watching uh, Boise State on ESPN, and the conference has a new deal for more money. 
Uh, but with CBS and Fox, are people pretty bitter about that in Boise, or are they are they rolling with it? Yeah, it's, yeah, mixed result, mixed mixed bag. I mean, uh, they, they they've always had CBS Sports. CBS Sports has always done the conference road games for Boise State, and then the home games were all done uh, by ESPN. So yeah, it'll be very weird to not have them on ESPN, not be talked about, you know, as much probably on College Game Day and things like that. Um, that's certainly going to be weird. But they got more money, and as part of the deal, some of the games are going to be on regular Fox and regular CBS. So they're going to get some you know, bigger nationally televised games out of it, probably one or two a year. And then the trade-off is being on Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports 2 maybe for some of these games. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It was a bigger – it was more money. It was, a, you know, I think triple the money they were getting before. So um, as they were, you know, this is, you know, as much as everybody's hurting for money and stuff, and this was really pre-pandemic, they, they you know, they, they didn't really have a choice. They, they got to take the bigger deal, and that's what was offered to them. But, yeah, it's just – Boise, you know, ESPN is kind of what built Boise State, playing these you know Thursday night games all these years and all this kind of stuff to get the attention. And Chris Peterson has said that that the Boise State wouldn't be who they are without ESPN. So to see the fact that they may not have any games on ESPN other than like a road game at BYU or a road game where a conference you know has it is, is going to be odd. I mean, they were supposed to play Florida State this year, guys, in Boise. Uh, and pre-pandemic, the plan was for that game to be the big noon kickoff. So I was going to start at 10 a.m. in Boise the big noon kickoff, and they were going to have that pregame show with Matt Leinard and Reggie Bush and all them were going to be in Boise, and it was going to be a huge deal that to kick off the new contract with Fox to have, you know, big Fox nationally televised game on a Saturday at, you know, New Eastern, and then that all went down the wayside. So there's potential for some big games like that for them to get on regular ESPN or regular Fox, regular CBS, but it's going to be weird, no doubt about it, to not have ESPN um, you know, doing the games. But I guess if it means we get Gus Johnson in the Boise press box doing a, doing a game at some point, I guess we'll be okay with that. BJ, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and hopefully we'll check in with you again with uh, Boise State playing a couple local teams here in the first three weeks of the season. Thanks a lot. Yeah, anytime. You guys got the number. Be happy to join you. Appreciate you having me on. BJ Rains, he writes about Boise State. You can read him in the Idaho Press Tribune and Blue Turf Sports. Broncos open with the Aggies, and Game 3 is the Cougars. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. Rippon takes a shotgun snap, throws, end zone, touchdown, Tim Patrick! What a throw by Brett Rippon. His best throw of the game thus far. A touchdown strike of seven yards. It is now 23-16 Denver. Melvin Gordon breaks a tackle, and here he gets a block from Brett Rippon down the sideline. 25-20, 15-10, touchdown Denver. How about that? The former Ute, Tim Patrick, six catches for 113 yards. He scores a touchdown, and the Broncos get their first win, beating the winless Jets. Brett Rippin, the former Boise State quarterback, giveth, taketh away. It was crazy. He threw two touchdowns. He threw three picks. Denver gets the win. Now, PK, we turn our attention after that uh, thriller. It was an entertaining game. Two teams going nowhere, but the game was crazy and a lot of points and lead changes and all that. Now we turn our attention to some higher stakes game. It's week four, so you don't want to get carried away. But the Patriots 
who, as you were talking earlier with uh, Lincoln Kennedy when he was on in the 8 o'clock hour, the Patriots going through the full rebuild, right? They new uh, new quarterback. They have uh, Brady, who's been the face of the franchise, gone. They bring in a guy who's been hurt in Cam Newton. They have a bunch of defensive guys leave as free agents, including Kyle Van Oye out of BYU. Then they have guys opt out, and... Lincoln was talking about, man, it looks like they're tanking. Except then they brought in Cam Newton. You thought, oh, they're playing for something. They're two and one, and they're really close to three and zero. Oh, and they got the Chiefs. And if they get this game, they've got everybody's one hundred percent attention. If they pull this off, you think Brady was the face of the franchise and not Belichick? Yeah, I do. Because I do. I'll give you a one and one A, and the the uh, the storyline changes if Belichick can deal with Brady leaving with a bunch of free agents leaving on defense and then with a bunch of guys opting out and if he still has a playoff team or still wins the division uh, that that's an awesome accomplishment yeah I think he's the rare pro coach who was the face of the franchise because the franchise went through so many different players and he remained and he's still there I think he always was the face and he is the face, and he's largely responsible for their greatness as they continue. And it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know if they're going to beat the Chiefs, but it wouldn't surprise me if they win the division and or make the postseason. The team they'll have to beat out to win the division is the Bills. Buffalo is a perfect 3-0, and and Josh Allen is putting up huge numbers. He's already thrown for 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. They're playing the Raiders. They're three-point favorites. The Raiders have been pretty solid, and they're 2-1, and one, so this is a nice test for the Bills uh, going cross-country here. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, that, uh, I mean, there's so many times, though, in the NFL, you basically have to prove yourself every week. I mean, there's just – you can put – I didn't watch – I just watched maybe uh, 10 plays of that Bronco-Jets game. I just couldn't be bothered when I had real competition with real stakes going on in baseball uh, last night. But you take two or three teams that really suck, and I just don't know that there's a lot of difference between the bulk of the teams. So it's about an every-week deal, and pretty much anybody's capable. And the Chiefs, I'd put them on the plateau of the upper level, certainly. But other than that... What's an upset and what isn't an upset? You know, I, I don't. I, you, you can define it by the Vegas point spread, mm-hmm. literally, but those things are so small that to me, it kind of underscores it, the point that there aren't real upsets. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I'll give you another undefeated team and a team people really like, and that's the Seahawks. Right? They got Russell Wilson. He's a proven winner. We know it. We've seen him in two Super Bowls. He won one. Except for one bizarro call, it looks like they would have won two. Uh, they're three and zero now. He's putting up huge stats, and their defense is a question mark. They're at Miami, and they're six and a half point favorites. Miami's one and two. Miami's not a good team, you know. But it's still six and a half points. That means if one crazy play goes against you, you lose the game. Right. Right. Exactly. So and I think that that what makes the the NFL as beautiful as it is, is that the open competition of it all and the availability of any team winning, any team getting hot in the postseason, and unlike the NBA, you don't necessarily need the top two or three picks to, to win it all. And, you know, even Mahomes, what was he, middle of the first round? Yeah. I mean, he's all that. Teams, teams passed on him. Lots yeah. of teams that could have used him passed on him. 
And that's actually pretty doggone high because you look at great quarterbacks like Rodgers and Breeze and Brady, and they were all, well, Brady was like fifth round, and Rodgers we know dropped. And I think Breeze was, what, first pick in the second round, something like that? Right, right. So that's the great thing about it is if you're not really good, it's your own fault in the NFL. And I don't think that, too, with the NFL, I don't think it really matters because it's so massive. You don't have to go to this attractive, glamorous, sexy city. It really has no bearing. And the idea of warm weather, well, most of your time you're playing in warm weather anyway because you're playing in the fall. The fall weather is usually decent, so that stuff is out of the equation. So it's really about what your management does, and then once they're drafted, what the players do or sign as a free agent, however you trade, however you acquire them. And that really, to me, of all the sports, I think that football – it certainly, in my mind, is the greatest team game, but I also think it probably has the most level playing field of all the sports. The hard cap, teams do not get outspent there, so you got that going for you. Um, and you're right, talent. You can, you can get talent late in the draft. Uh, the other undefeated team, is anybody buying the Bears? You're 3-0, but you had to change quarterbacks. Now they're playing the Colts, who are 2-1, and and you look at who these teams have beaten. They're combined 5-1. and they, they haven't beaten anybody who's any good. Now, at some point, you got to beat bad teams and beat mediocre teams anyway. you got to grind it out week in and week out. But nobody's really buying these teams, but this will be a nice win for whoever gets it. Yeah, and I think that 9-7 and seven gives you a decent shot for the uh, postseason. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, so if I look at it that way, obviously I've got the Packers over there as being the team to beat in that, what is that, what do they call that now, the North? They're uh, not the, yeah, the Packers are the team to beat, but the Bears have yeah. a decent shot at a wild card. Exactly, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, it's Colts and Buccaneers the next two weekends for the Bears, so we'll find out if they are a, a pretender or a contender, and they'll sort that out. The Packers are playing in the Monday night game, so you've got to wait for them a little while. And For all of you who are Niner fans, you've got the Sunday night game with the Eagles, who are off to a dreadful start. Carson Wentz is struggling. Uh, I know the Niners have issues. We can get Yach on, and he can, he can whine about all the injuries and, and everything. But, you hey, know, there's some guys coming back this week. But, but for one week, it ought to be okay. Even shorthanded, you can get this win. Well, they got it last week. Right, I know. They're 2-1. They're and, the and so you've had all kinds. Of, right, but the Eagles are bad, and if you win and you're 3-1, and one, you got guys coming back. Yeah, in a year it. when they're letting in a seventh team in the playoffs, even if you can't win the that's division, sign. get in as a wild card and see what happens. I was watching MLB Network uh, one of these afternoons before the postseason. They were talking about how the Angels have sucked and Trout has only played in three games in postseason and he's all that. And and now, you know, again, they don't make the playoffs. So what does he have to look forward to? Well, he gets to go root for a crappy Eagles team. (laughs) So he's got nothing going for him sports-wise, you know, because he grew up in South Jersey about a half hour away from uh, where the Eagles play. And that, that area is all dominated by the Philly teams. I've been to his community and it's not that far away from literally uh, Philadelphia itself. And so we all know that he's a big fan, but he's talking about the Eagles. And they took a quick fall, you know. There was really, for them, they won it all, and that's great. And they'll be able to celebrate that forever. But it really had no staying power whatsoever. All right, we did talk a little baseball earlier this morning. The uh, Dodgers are through the next round. They are the favorites. Are they finally going to get their first World Series title since 1988? They dispatched the Brewers 
Three zip. Clayton Kershaw dominates. 13 strikeouts in eight innings. So they're through. They're waiting for the Padres or the Cardinals. The Padres win 11 and nine. Now the Padres uh, hit five homers in the game. Fernando Tatis hit two of them. Will Myers hit two, and Manny Machado hit the other one. So they slug their way to a win. But their top two pitchers are hurt and can't go in this series. They've started their third and fourth guys. The other starter at different times this year has been a wide array of different guys, and a couple of them pitched in relief last night. Literally, you can click on the web right now, and it's undecided for starter. That is no way to be going into a deciding game in a series. It's clearly going to end up being staff. Seems like they'll they'll have five or six guys. Well, deciding games usually are anyway, if necessary, if you need your entire pitching staff. Uh, But they got they got really short circuited. I think they can win any single game, but winning a best of seven, which they don't have to do without your top two guys in pitching, when pitching is 80% of the game, it just matters so freaking much, man. So, I, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen in this ball game tonight, but they have just as good a chance to win as any team. As Well, not as any team, but as St. Louis, because that's who they're playing. But to expect them to carry that over into the next round, when the series is longer, pitching becomes even more premium. The opponent that, will be better. That's that's uh, debatable whether the well they yeah, get the Dodgers. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I was going to say, I was thinking if, generally speaking, but in this case, yes, the opponent will be better. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and so that's going to be really hard. But when you're a team that's just getting started, we speak about the Eagles not having any staying power. Well, this baseball team, and we've seen it in baseball a little bit more. Football can be a sort of a hit and miss. But in baseball, there is a form of sustaining if you manage it correctly. And it looks like the Padres are just getting started in that regard. So if they lose this round, next round, their, their, their immediate future definitely looks bright. Cubs and Marlins on ABC at noon. Cubs, uh... Lost game one to Miami. Game two was rained out yesterday, so they're going to play game two today on ABC, and then it's the Cardinals and the Padres at 5 o'clock on ESPN. In the American League, the Athletics knocked out the White Sox, so they advance. That's good to see because they've been in the playoffs a gazillion times, and they always seem to be an immediate exit. Um, now this is kind of an extra round. so But nonetheless, they won in advance, so they got to feel good about that. Game two of the NBA Finals tonight. PK, this is just turning into... I was trying to think an NBA Finals that held this little interest for me. And I think i got to go all the way back to the Nets. Um, Yeah, but even then, LeBron was emerging. I was curious, and I thought San Antonio would win, and they swept them. But there was a series with the Nets and the Spurs, and we were just starting out doing the show, I think. And I just, it was glorious summer nights. I couldn't stay indoors to watch it. I'm like, the Spurs are way better than Nets. I think it was 03. I think it was the 03 series. And they uh, just yeah. worked them in four. I believed in Curry Kittles. You did not. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> uh, Van Horn was on that team, so I had he an was. interest. Yeah. But it, it just, there was no competition. It doesn't feel like there's competition now. Goran Dragic, torn left no, plantar fasci. No. Uh, it's, so I don't. See, uh, they're talking like he might play. They're listing him as doubtful. How is he not out? Out for the series. You know, this is the. Uh, it's too bad the order this happened in because we had Chad Lewis on the show at the National Football Foundation thing, and he could have gone over this injury because he had it. It was a career ender for him. And this is a horrible injury for Dragic. I don't, I don't see why they're talking about him 
playing or being a factor. Bam Adebayo is also doubtful for tonight. Uh, and, and the Lakers want to get out of the bubble. And LeBron wants the title and he remembers blowing an 0-2 lead to Dallas. They just, there's, like, there's no way the Lakers are going to look past him. The Lakers are certainly the more talented team. I think they are anyway, but they certainly are with these two guys out. I mean, this seems like a foregone conclusion. i got to say, this is the first time, and maybe it's because of the injuries, that it doesn't seem to be as competitive as we anticipated. But I also believe, too, October to me screams two things. It screams football and baseball postseason. Yeah. And combined with the fact that they worked them by about 80 the other night (laughs) and you got two of their better players gone, I mean, I'll look at it because I have to. Yeah. And if it's close, I'll I'll check in. And now I got BYU playing tonight. I'm way excited about football, as I always am this time of year. So I haven't completely checked out on basketball because it's just not in my DNA to check out any time completely on basketball, baseball, football, golf. I just can't do that. It's who I am. Even if I didn't have it as work, it would be by who, far who my are. number one hobby. Yeah. Uh, so I am – I'm just not excited about it. And at this point, I just assume the Lakers sweep, get it over with so we can put it in the rearview mirror and then see you in December or January whenever you're coming back. Although we do have the draft and all that stuff and we'll free agency will hit. It will be a funkier time. But teams do reload and change every single year. So there will be plenty of time to talk about that. But it seems like for now uh, the NBA's it's, it's finals is on the back burner for me. 7 o'clock for the game tonight, so uh, you can check that out. It starts the same time as the BYU game. And but, the, uh, the Potter game starts at 5, so I can get yeah, two, two solid sure. hours in there oh, before yeah, I have to start wearing BYU. That. But it's, at the same time, if Miami pulls an upset, then I'm right back in. I know, I know right? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is like I feel like I'll be watching the BYU game primarily, but you know, football... They're so predictable. You get the timeout, you got a couple minutes to channel surfing, you know it. So I can constantly check on basketball, but I assume I'm going to flip over at 745 and the Lakers are already going to be up by double digits. Now that may not be how it plays out, and if it's a close game, then you're going to start sucking me in and I'm going to be at work. So I'm going to have, you've been in there, you know, there's four TVs on the wall. You can stand there and I can watch three games at once. Uh, yeah, the problem is though, during in. those games, you talk too much and you're very distracting. No, oh, whatever. So, hey, I only know what they tell me, man. I used to drive Nate Dowdle. Okay, this is a true story, right? This is 100% true. Nate Dowdle, and he's jumped. He's at another station now. But when he was a Channel 2, I would drive him nuts on a college football Saturday. I would just shout out random scores. It just, Illinois 13, Iowa 10. I'd just be why did you say whatever? <laughs> Whatever is because they I don't do it all the sin- time. A lot of times it, you hate this. I'm in an edit bay and I don't have anything to say. Whatever at all. is a so. synonym for truth, apparently. Well, sometimes it is, and on college football Saturdays, definitely. When I'm not in, once I go to the edit bay, then everybody gets peace and quiet. I, I did walk out last week and I said, "Man, I think I just edited eight things." And the best part is, Tim Peterson didn't hear the sound of my voice for two and a half hours. Tim, oh, that, <laughs> now that's a synonym for heaven. <laughs> he laughed. All right, DJ and PK, uh, Doc Rivers to the Sixers before we go to break. Come on, PK. He knew when he parted ways with the Clippers this was coming. I just don't see it making any difference. 
I'm with you there. Uh, a little bit around the edges, maybe. But Simmons doesn't shoot, and it sounds like there's friction between those two guys. And asking a coach to fix Embiid? those two things is ask yeah between Simmons and Embiid. And asking a coach to fix those two things is a big ask. It's mostly about the players. What credibility does Doc Rivers bring? Well, I don't think anybody remembers that he took uh, a whole lot of nothing in Orlando and got him to the playoffs. So that was the first bit of credibility. And then he, he won a championship and was in his second finals with the Celtics. Yeah, but now that he's blown three teams with three-run leads, it's like, well, the, yeah, Ainge put that thing together. Well, there is that. And, and I don't rank all three of those the same. The first one, they shouldn't have been up 3-1 Orlando-Detroit. That was surprising, I don't oh, think. Oh, BFD, they yeah. still blow it. But the other two, uh, you can hang on him. You know? I mean, he's, I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm just saying what but difference how is, is he, it going to make? Well, I don't think it is. But I think you could throw Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich in there, and Simmons still can't shoot. And if Simmons and Embiid don't like each other, and you're already limited that Simmons can't shoot in an era when that means everything— you're going to have problems in Philly. It's, you know, I mean, trust the process, but I think we're seeing the process, you know, bump up against the ceiling. We know how good Philly can be. They can get in the playoffs and maybe they can win a series, but does anybody really think they're going further than that? Not me. Right. I, I don't think, people. I don't either, and I don't think Yacht does. I don't think most of the hosts on the station do. And but Tobias Harris might. He did play well with Rivers, and there seemed <laughs> to be a connection in L.A., but... Okay, your third or fourth best player plays better. Is that going to change the fact that your two stars don't like each other and one of them can't shoot? I don't know. I just like to get you off sidetracks. Yeah. When Bjork says we got to go to break. Yeah, I know. Just keep going. Throw one more thing out there. Keep chumming the waters. <laughs> See if I'll chase the bait. All right, DJ and PK, your feedback's coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Time for your feedback. What you think about today's show and all the stuff we've been talking about. BYU playing Louisiana Tech tonight. The game kicks off at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Hans Olsen, Will Snowden have the pregame show at 6 here on the Zone Sports Network. Against Louisiana Tech, BYU will win by dot, dot, dot. What do you think? 37. 37. That is a big number. Jeff is a little more, uh, a little more conservative. He says 17. I think they're going to win by more than 17. I think they're going to score a lot of points. I'm not clear on how many the Tech is going to score. Uh, Joseph Lovard says, a good five touchdowns. Oh, he's right with you, PK. That's 30. Uh, I think he's assuming they're going to make the PATs, too, so that'll be 35. They're pretty good at making the point afters. Nate Winslow says, BYU will, quote, win by negative 40 points. Okay, Louisiana Tech is not blowing BYU out. That is not happening. Oh, all these jealous people of BYU. Your team will be playing soon enough. Man, your 37 is right there with a lot of people. Blake says 34. Adam says 40. Uh, David says 40. Here's a 42. Taylor says 42. Man, there's, there are people really thinking they're going to just hammer Louisiana Tech. I think Louisiana Tech's going to score, uh, score more points than these last two teams did. with Three and seven. No, that's not exactly that's, out on a limb. No. I, I would think that Tech's going to get to 20. 37, they have to score 57. 56 20 would be good enough. Maybe 36. Well, if they score that many, I mean, you created something that we don't know is going to exist. That's a true story, I did. But if that's what you feel, that's what you feel. 
25. They cancel. Yeah, they cover. All right. Yeah, I'll go with 49-24. Write that one down. I was going to say 25 is a weird number, but no. uh, okay. No. Yeah, that, uh, it remains to be seen. You know, the BYU's defense, what do we know? It's funny, but, uh, you know, we feel like we're confident in the offense because of Wilson and the O-line. But defensively, they've been dominant, but yet they haven't received the praise relative to the offense is what it has received. So if it has an opportunity now against a better offense and still is dominant, well, then we got to say, hey, wait a second. What about the defense, too? Yep. Kevin wants to know, what's the spread? I've not had my friends over for a while for a gambling night. Ha ha. Oh. See what he did? By the way, true story. I paid for my first semester at BYU via winnings from a gambling night with friends. Well, this must have been a heck of a night unless you're way old and the tuition was 300 bucks. <laughs> the spread, the spread's been right about 24 points. So. Yeah. That's, that's, what, you're, uh, that's what you're angling for right there. I don't know what the over-under is. I didn't. Yach, did you see what the over-under is? Do you think they're going to be a, a gazillion points scored in this game? I did not see the over-under. 54. I would think it's higher than that. With only- 64. <laughs> Let's probably get a little closer, considering if you're on a 24-point spread. Uh, I'll look for that. I've been looking at ESPN.com right now, and they usually have it, but they don't have it. They've taken the spread down. Is there some injury we don't know about? What's going on, Yach? Well, Empey has got an ankle thing, talking about him maybe not What's playing. What's the spread down to? It's The spread isn't there. Well, Neither they, is the over-under. They dropped it. I know. I know. They I'm, took it down, so I didn't know. You're on, you're on social media a lot, and yeah. we're yammering on the radio, so I'm, sometimes you see stuff I that we don't. That, but, yes, PK is right. Uh, James Empey has been dealing with an ankle issue, so Vegas knows something we don't. It's suddenly off the board. Crap, man. I don't got to call Eddie today, then. Eddie. <laughs> That's just a name you picked out of an ad, isn't it? Eddie. Uh, the other thing we've been talking about today, uh, happy birthday, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is 33 today. What do you get? The guy who has everything. A ring, coffee, another headband, penicillin. Jeremy. Jeremy, you have a bad attitude. Is, are we saying he has VD? That's apparently what Jeremy was trying to say there. <laughs> Jeremy's, Jeremy's got a bad attitude. Bad attitude. Come on, Jeremy. Oh, here's an interesting pick for the BYU game. A TKO. Doesn't go with the point spread. BYU will win by a technical knockout. Oh, is that like that boxing match when you did and the crowd was chanting TKO? TKO! TKO! But they were were really chanting his first name. (laughs) What was his name? I don't even remember. (laughs) What happened to your boxing career? Stu Nahan's not in danger? (laughs) Stu Nahan (laughs) is not in danger. I saw Stu. I didn't know he did this, but on the uh, ESPN's got a Fernando Mania documentary, Uh and they had Stu going to his hometown introducing himself and speaking Spanish. So I didn't know I didn't know Stu had flown down to uh, the middle. He's dead. He's middle. dead now, isn't he? Yeah, I think he did. I think he did pass yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you know Jim Lampley. <laughs> Jim Lampley. Yeah, I haven't seen Jim Lampley on TV lately. Where's Jim Lampley? Retired? I don't know. Maybe living the good life. Does he still do the boxing stuff though? I don't know because you're not watching that. Uh, I haven't seen him. Doesn't mean he isn't out there on HBO or someplace. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
Jim Lampley is 71 years old. Yeah, did he live up here? I think he did for a while. Yeah. He's covered 14 Olympics, most recently 2008 Summer Olympics, so it's been a while. It's been a minute since we've seen him. All right, we're out of time. Enjoy the games tonight. Baseball at noon and 5, BYU at 7, NBA at 7. you got plenty of options today. We will see you Sunday night on Talking Sports and back here Monday morning from 6 to 10 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hans and Scott are your next.